Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically, I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner. And today's episode is one, for those of you who've been following me on Instagram, you may have seen it. Uh, I got very fascinated a couple of weeks ago by allergies. I have a lot of allergies, but I never knew what they were and fell into a rabbit hole and then found out what they were. And to share that information with you, I have brought to studio Sandra from the Allergy Clinic. Sandra, thanks so much for coming in. Do you want to tell me a little bit about how you got into this or why you started or? Yeah, I'd be delighted yeah. to tell you because I suppose that's the start of every story, isn't it? Uh, in 2012, I developed a terrible condition we now know. It is called urticaria, which is the awful hives and angioedema, which is the swelling of my lips and my eyes. And uh, Did it just I come on? Literally, it just came on. Now, overnight? Uh, of course, you preface, I'm going to preface it by saying I was actually closing a business at the time. Uh, so I was in the fashion business and um, so I was very stressed. Okay. I didn't ever anticipate that uh, stress would come out in, as we thought, an allergy. So at the time, there was nowhere that anyone could tell me that I could go. Um, in fairness, I went to my GP. They, you know, suggested I take antihistamines, but there was no name put on what I had and the fear associated with what I had, which was basically that I came out in like a heat rash, but l- raised uh, red hives all over my body. And then my eye sockets would um, become really swollen and my lips was swollen and you know by me um, I wouldn't have been getting any Botox because it wasn't around at that time you most definitely <laughs> wouldn't even be considering Botox and I remember going to a party one night and my friend's uh, husband said would you tell Sandra Walsh to stop getting whatever she's getting into her lips I was unrecognisable and it would just suddenly come on and of course we thought it was allergy like I thought it was that I was allergic to prawn I thought it was that I was allergic to white wine with prawn I thought I was allergic to wheat I thought I was allergic to sugar because I took a meringue one night. So it, it just literally just came on. Right. And of course, urticaria now it's bandied about. Well, of course, in, in our world, it's bandied about. But in, in the public, it isn't. People have never heard the word urticaria. And basically all it means, Stephanie, is that histamine rushes into your system, rushes out by the mast cells into your um, your into your skin and into around around your organs, so around your eyes and around your lips and that. And you you swell up and the causes of it are there's heat urticaria, cold urticaria, stress urticaria. Stress is a big part to play in things. Pressure urticaria. So particularly ladies would feel that around our panty line or under our bra that we'd feel, oh, my God, am I just every time I put it on, you're, you, you feel that you're tight. It's mm-hmm. nothing to do that you're wearing a size that's too small. It's just the pressure of the item of clothing on your skin stimulates the mast cells to overproduce the, the histamine. But it's very frightening. And it's um, and very interestingly, because at the time that we're in with um, the COVID vaccine, we've had five (coughs) women 
recently between the age of 23 on last Tuesday a girl was with me of 23 and one lady of 70 so five people in the last eight weeks that have had the COVID vaccine and five of them have developed um, urticaria urticaria as after, a result yeah. so you know that's nerve wracking and people are afraid so what you do for it is you come you have to outrule that it's not allergy right okay. and then we see we can put a small management plan in place but the main thing about the allergy clinic is that we'll refer you on the right pathway. So there are other um, indications for uh, for urticaria and swelling and that just needs to be investigated to our rule that there's an- anything sinister underlying. So we send you on the right pathway, which is to the right consultant to be investigated. So once you found out that yours was urticaria, mm. What was it about your diagnosis that made you then go, I need to set up this thing that can rule this out for people? Yeah, because there was nowhere I could go at the time. There was nobody would put a word on it. Right. Okay. So I had no, there was no place that I could self-refer myself for an allergy test because I thought it was allergy. You know, everyone thinks it's allergy when anything different happens in our lives or our bodies change. Say, God, I wonder, is it the food I'm aller- that I'm eating that I'm allergic to? I wonder, is it that I touch something that I'm allergic to? I wonder, is it something in my body? Is there something changing? And of course, there is something changing all the time in our bodies because that's what physiology is, this constant mitosis and, you know, yeah. dividing and multiplying. So there was nowhere that I could go, absolutely nowhere that I could go and have a test that uh, could determine if it was allergy or not. So that's why I came up with opening the allergy clinic and I went and trained in it. Um, what was it, the training like? Well, the training was fabulous because I trained in, in a great uh, clinic that is consultant uh, driven and nurse led, but it's only referrals within their clinic. Okay. Do you know? Yeah. So the consultant would see a patient and then would send the patient for allergy testing. So there was nowhere that you could go yourself Self. to yes. find. And I had no, no doctor that was telling me this was allergy. Allergy, Because remember, allergy and particularly with all our gorgeous multinational society now, allergy has changed or the profile of allergy has changed because a lot of other countries are much more aware of allergy than what we in Ireland were. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of Polish people, Lithuanian people, all that Eastern European, they would all have been exposed to allergy clinics way, way before. So they all know yeah. what they're allergic they know to. What, absolutely. Or they certainly know that it could be allergy. Whereas we tend to think we have to suffer with things. Yes. But now we don't. <laughs> no, you we know, don't. well, you see, you know that. I mean, as in, in fairness, I suppose I can say that I just heard you speaking on your story. It was my niece, actually, Hillary, heard you speaking on your story. And she said to me, hand, look up this uh, Stephanie speaking about her allergy. And that's why I contacted you, because to be honest, I saw you were suffering. Yeah. And, you know, even though it was me being probably, I suppose, proactive and uh, maybe a bit cheeky, really inviting you in. But I just wanted to tell you, even if you did nothing, that there is somewhere you can go. Yeah. You know, you're not on your own. That's my big thing. And and when I put it up on my story, then I did go in. I was shocked by the number of people who were like, oh, my God, I also have this. So yes. like my symptoms were and some like people have different ones, but myself and Noel. So my symptoms were I have asthma. So just on random like first of all if I had anything with dairy in it Mm. the minute I would stop eating or drinking that thing I would have this cough just Mm. one cough but Mm. it was like really really phlegmy and then throughout the day and the the following days I would get sort of more congested and I have these like little bumps on my arms that were like not it wasn't really a rash it was just like my skin would react on the Mm. upper parts of my arms and I would get these bumps 
And then, you know, uh, sneezing, coughing, that's not to do with the dairy. That would just happen on a random day. And I became really aware of it during COVID because it just became socially unacceptable Mm -hmm. to have a cough or to have any sort of cold-like symptoms. Mm, So then... um, what was the name of the thing that I had with you? Was it skin prick test? Yes, so we, we do the skin prick test. So that's Is the, that the first port of call? It's the first port of call. And that's the type one allergy test that you have a result within. So we literally uh, put a, a droplet of the allergen, which is the dust mite, grass pollen, tree pollen. We did all the foods for you. We did peanut, we did the hazelnut and we also do penicillin, of course. But we just put a little droplet of the allergen onto your skin in a grid that I draw. Yeah, so basically she, she draw, for the, if you can try and imagine this, from... Your wrist to your elbow, she draws one line and then like across horizontally down that line, she draws more lines. So it's just this big grid on your left arm and your right arm. And then so she's dividing your arm up into little segments. And then the allergen comes first, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the histamine control. Yes. Yes. So. uh, So on that marker, then she puts little letters on top of all of those so you know which one they are. And what's the histamine control then? So we all produce histamine. So, you know, when when somebody becomes allergic to something or in my case, where the lips are swelling out, yeah. that's the histamine rushing uh-huh. into the organ or in, out into your skin. So we produce histamine. That's our actually, I call it like a siren. That's like our ability to respond and to protect ourselves. And do some ourselves. people naturally produce more than others? Like are some people don't have a lot of histamine or do we all just have this? Well, thing? we all have histamine. It's all related to, to your general physiology, your makeup. You know, so yeah. but other part it is that some people have a different response. So the control is is what we give you. So everybody gets the same level of control, which is just one droplet. You might have a response that is three millimeters. I might have a response that's eleven millimeters or ten millimeters. But then what you'll see is that control is the measure against your response then for the rest of the allergens. Okay. So if you had a three millimeter response and you found after eating strawberries that you get very itchy because strawberries are actually very high in histamine but you might only have a response of about five millimetres because it's directly relatable to the control that we've already your response to the control. And the millimetres for those of you listening is that so within that little box she she puts the allergen and then she does a little prick so that your the allergen kind of goes into your is it into your blood? In under your skin. In under your skin. Yeah Yeah, so uh, it goes under your skin and then you have a little reaction or you don't but they measure the reaction of how many millimetres and like so for example I think one of my biggest ones was cats. Yes. So I had this big welt that came up and when we measured that it was about I don't know, three or four millimetres. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was about nine. Oh, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You had a so very significant cat allergy. Yeah, yeah, and I've always been telling people I'm allergic to cats. Yeah. And people are like, Ara, stop. <laughs> you just don't, you just, you're just trying to control somebody else's house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I <laughs> cannot <laughs> sleep in a house with cats. Oh, yeah. But I'm highly allergic. Yeah, But yeah. anyway, so she does that, right? And we'll get back to the science behind it. But so she does all the skin prick things and then you have to leave it. Oh my God, Sandra, my arm has never been more itchy. I was like, I have to itch this though. I know, and you can't. No, and you were like, no, you can't. And I was like, well, sure then, of course, when you said I couldn't. I was like, well, now I have to. Yeah, of course. But yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. awful. Yeah, and so the reason you can't is that you obviously have to let the, the allergen do its work and, and get the physiological response. Whereas if you itch it, then it becomes all, we call it erythematous. So the, in other words, if you diffuse the blood 
out out into your skin and so you it's can't not, it's not as, well you can measure because it's the wheel we're looking for you know it's the white wheel that, that we're looking thing. for yeah and you know when I was talking about the urticaria earlier so this has kind of been very interesting because people with urticaria which is like what I had um, you, you've, you, you're producing all this histamine so somebody with urticaria might look like they have wheels all over you know when they're in the grid yeah. but actually it's very distinctive so it's it's scientifically very distinctive to be able you can distinguish between the histamine just an overproduction of histamine for somebody who has high histamine in the urticaria patient but it's the actual wheel W-H-E-A-L and that's what we're looking for the wheel so if but if you had urticaria what would the wheel difference like? What would yeah, it look well, like? if, if you'll see the shape of all of them will all probably right. be the same, and then the one that you have an allergy or not to is. But most urticaria, you see, is not allergic. Like mine, I haven't one yeah, allergy. Yeah, you told me that oh in my all God. those squares, in all of those things, I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe I haven't one allergy. I, I mean, I'm saying, oh, my God. And I removed, you know, like that. And we all do it. We remove this from our diet, that from our diet. And then you're kind of not that you've become deficient, but this is particularly for children because parents are fantastic. And parents think, oh, my God, if I remove the gluten from the diet, if I remove the milk from the diet, if I remove the eggs from the baby's diet, this is where the danger of, I suppose, self-medicating or self-dieting mm-hmm. uh, is that removing things from the diet upsets the balance of a diet and particularly for a child. So having a definitive allergy test, particularly for a child who has a skin rash or and they're saying, oh, I think it is when I when I give them the milk, they come out in this. Now, often that is the indication, but it has to be confirmed. Right. And then it has to be managed by the right right consultant so that it's not a willy nilly approach of somebody saying I'm taking milk out of the child's diet or I'm putting them on soya or I'm taking that wheat away. Y- you have to be managed by um, having the test to define if it is allergy that's driving it to getting onto the right pathway. So that's the big thing in our clinic is the patient care and the pathway. And you again, if you don't mind me saying you did have that experience, I sent you on the right pathway mm-hmm. to the right doctor who managed, in your case, the sinusitis, yes. isn't it? Because yeah. it was all driven by your sinuses. Yeah, which was mental because I had this, I had an MRI scan. So I was getting these really bad headaches. This is probably two years ago now. Oh, also, given the pandemic, probably three years ago. So having these crazy headaches and kept going back to the doctor and eventually they were like, we're just going to do a brain scan. We're just going to do a, was it a CT or an MRI? I can't remember. A CT. Mm -hmm. And so I went into this big machine and I was like, right, this is it now. Like they're going to tell me I've got a brain tumour. This Mm -hmm. is the end of days. And the doctor called me in afterwards and was like, please look at this scan. He was like, see all this? This is a really chronic sinus infection. Like your sinuses are so bad that they're coming up on a brain scan like wow. I was like okay and then the doctor was like yeah sinuses are really hard to treat with antibiotics because there's mm. not a lot of blood flow there but we'll put you on these and put you on these so I was on antibiotics for ages and it just still wouldn't go I was always sort of caught up but now it seems to be so now I take the antihistamine every night mm-hmm. and um, interestingly I would have guessed that I was allergic to strawberries mm. And a lot of fruit. I would. I thought I had a bet with Noel before I went to you that I was going to be allergic to strawberries, apples, 
um, what else like any fruit that's kind of like exposed to the environment mm. but actually I'm just so allergic to tree pollen yes that tree pollen I, and I don't sometimes and wash my know, fruit exactly so like, and as you know the apple grows on the tree and so does an orange yeah yeah. and you know it's like that with nuts so people who have allergy to nuts you might have a hazelnut almond and walnut they're tree nuts so that and so if you have a tree pollen allergy and you eat Nutella it could very well be that it's the tree nut from so there's pollen on the nut because it's growing on exactly, the tree and that it goes into the it. Tree. Yeah, and exactly. I stopped also drying my clothes outdoors. Yes, of and that that's does the big thing. And that, you know, you know the way that vision, and that is an Irish vision, definitely, of the billowing, yeah. the billowing sheets. And, the, and it was a beautiful sunny day and I just put everything Great on. Great drying out. And of out. course, for, for particularly for someone with a grass pollen or a tree pollen allergy, that is just a killer because the lovely sheets go on the bed and you inhale that grass pollen all, all night long. <laughs> all night long, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's just and you know what's definitely the, the greatest thing, I suppose, and it is uh, the big thing in our in our clinic is that we're very ordinary. And I, I use I don't use that word lo- loosely, but, you know, we're very approachable and it's very common sense approach. Mm-hmm. So even something that you're thinking, oh, my God, I had a lovely lady yesterday in our clinic in, in Clare Hall. And she said, and there was I pushing his his uh, sh- uh, his sheets out, looking at them, billowing on the line. And then, of course, he the child wakes up in the morning absolutely eyes swollen nose running everything Everything. and I said sure how could you have known you couldn't have known it you know so I think that's the big thing and I and I really do believe this we need to give ourselves and particularly as parents a little clap on the back for going getting a child tested as you as you're a young beautiful young woman you need to give yourself a clap on the back for coming and having the allergy test because now you have a clear uh, management programme but you I know, also have clear exactly. on what I am not allergic and to and there's no need to be to. self-diagnosing. And I think a lot of people are afraid that like, oh, if I go and I do this allergy test, then I'm going to be put on this pathway and it's going to cost me a fortune. Yeah. But actually for most or for a lot of people and for in my case, there wasn't an awful lot that I had to do. Yes. Now yeah. that I had the knowledge, yes. I was able, I like I can manage it myself. Yeah, yeah, which which is fantastic. Yeah, you know. and our, like Noel and I are both, both came up with the dust one. Now, yes. that's my biggest one and I think that's probably where the asthma was coming in. Yes, it is. Um, so she said you had allergic asthma. Yeah, and mm. that that one did freak me out now because mm. when you started explaining the dust mites, mm. explain to them about yeah. the dust mites well, and the how dust, it works. Yeah, the dust mites, mm, yeah. And we call it dermophatogoid is the generic name for him and <laughs> for the children we call him Dermot. So basically the dust mite is part of the spider family mm-hmm. and he's present absolutely everywhere. You know we can't do anything about his presence but he doesn't affect all of us. But for those of you who have inflammatory rhinosinusitis or inflammatory or um, allergic asthma that's driven by a dust mite the dust mite lives essentially in anywhere that dust lands but it's not the dust that you're allergic to. It's the mite in the dust and it's actually the protein in his excrement. So basically what happens is <laughs> Here we, go we breathe him in and which which we all do. So if you think of the only way something that can get into our body is we breathe it in by two nostrils or and we open our mouth. So we either breathe it in or we ingest it. OK, so we breathe in the dust mite and he's brought through the United Airways, which starts at the, the nose up to the sinuses, down to the base of the lungs. And he goes to the loo in the base 
of the lungs. The protein in his excrement is what drives the inflammation in your airways. So, you know, when you put um, if you if you cut a tree mm-hmm. and you see the annular rings. Well, for somebody who has a dust mite allergy or inflammation in their airways, the rings are smaller and smaller and smaller because they're tighter because they're all inflamed. OK, so the dust mite is the biggest driver of allergic asthma and of um, sinusitis. OK, so how do you get rid of him now? It isn't that you're it's no reflection on housekeeping and everyone says, oh, my God, but my wife keeps the place great. And it's funny, they always talk about the woman being the great <laughs> housekeeper, you know, I'd be cracking up. But anyway, and I say, mm, yeah, well, it's no reflection on housekeeping, but it's the bedroom we talk about. Mm-hmm. So I suppose the, the simple measures for dust mite is so that dust mite lives in our mattress and absolutely adores it because we shed our skin at night time and he feeds off the skin. I mean, okay. it's just so vile when you it's break vile. it down like this. It is but this is biology. If this is biology. But so um, so it lives in the mattress and lives in soft furnishings and carpets and curtains and that. So our very simple measures are to get an anti-dust mite case that literally zips around the mattress. So at the moment we're kind of having a look, but we're, we're always looking at um, the Oxendales now have a zipped mattress that has just come out and you can buy that on Oxendales.ie or the Emma mattress case. That is the, the other one that has the layer of Puratex and these are all anti-dust mite. OK, so that's the first layer that you put on your mattress. You don't ever have to buy it once. The second thing then is that it's so the anti-dust mite uh, or anti-allergy duvet and um, pillows and they're available in Dunn stores all those anti-allergy ones they're superb the most important thing is the uh, damp dusting. So it's literally kitchen paper and you dampen it and you wipe the surfaces of the windowsills, the bedhead, the base of the bed, the lockers, the lamps on the lockers and um, no clothes thrown on the floor. The, the teenage kids love that when I say it. No clothes on the back, uh, back of the chairs, your wardrobe doors closed, your linen washed at 60 degrees to kill the spores. For the children that they don't have a load of um, t- cuddly toys on the bed, for uh, the lovely little girl in yesterday that she had a load of little blankies that she loves soothing. So what you do with that is you wash the you, you pick the cuddly toy you love or you pick the blankie that you love and you wash it in 60 degrees, dry it and then put it in the freezer for about six hours and do that every couple of weeks. So that kills the spores. So and then we we recommend the Dimplex, the Glen Dimplex. Uh, it's called um, I can't remember the name of the the actual thing, but it's the grade five anti-dust mite and anti-grass pollen um, HEPA filter. And it's really good because that sucks in all the airborne allergens, which is the dust mite, grass pollen, tree pollen and mould, M-O-U-L-D, that are in older houses. And, you know, the is that like the, the Dyson air purifier? Yes, it is. Dimplex it's, one. it's the Dimplex one. So it's yeah. much less expensive than the Dyson. Well, I just think the Dyson is, for me, unattainable. But the, the Glen Dimplex one is 199, I think, as opposed to twice, three, yeah, three, three times. four times that. Yeah, yeah. Four, I think. Yeah, so uh, it's brilliant and it's got all the certification with it and that's available in any of the hardware. Actually, if you go on to Glendimplex, they have their list of suppliers, but arnets.ie is another one of them. So that's the dust mite and it's extraordinary. So I did a study for 19 months while I was training in allergy and we did the study for the anti-dust mite measures and particularly if the parents adhered to it, the difference in the children's respiratory 
excellence and their respiratory health was unbelievable. So, you know, we were, we were chatting about asthma. So I'm an asthma nurse as well as an, as an allergy mm-hmm. nurse. And I'm absolutely passionate about the airways. I just and I'm also a singer. So if I can, if we can keep our airways clean and clear, we can oxygenate every fiber, every muscle, every organ of our body. If your airways are compromised, that's when the damage can be done. And you, you know yourself, if you if you don't feel if you don't feel that you're breathing properly or that your airways are clear, y- you it's feel foggy. Yeah. And you it's so scary. Yeah. It's so scary. So um, I, I uh, unfortunately lost my mother last year, but, uh, but now she was 90 and fabulous. But she used to make all of us, she had six children and she used to make all of us stand up straight and breathe in, you know, and I'd be and I'm busty. So I'd be saying, oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, you know, I don't want to be you know, expanding the bust. But anyway, she used to make us literally breathe in. And it was, it is powerful to fill your airways, fill your lungs with good air. And, you know, I was saying I'm a singer, so I would sing and I, I literally would stand up straight, fill the fill the uh, the two yeah. lungs with the air and then blast out, the, out. The, the notes as best I can. But for all of us, respiratory health is your key to success. Having your airways clear, your sinuses treated, you know, even the small measures that we discuss in the in the clinic before you, if you if you even need to go and see the doctor. So we talk about getting the Neil Med, which is the sinus rinse. I did one myself this morning. I think I might have literally unplugged my ear while I was doing it. I did. It, sometimes that is so egregious. Like, so it can so be. Yeah, yeah, it can. I didn't dilute it enough once and I could oh, taste the salt, the salt yeah. for it's, days. Oh, it's it's, it is true. But it does work. It does work. It is brilliant. And again, the paediatricians and the um, respiratory physicians, they swear by it. It is fantastic. So, so that's for those of you listening, it's like this. It's it's very inexpensive when you get it in any chemist. It's called Neil Med. It's like a, a little bottle with a funny funnel. little funnel thing and mm. you fill it up with this solution that comes with it and then you hold one nostril and you push it up the other one and it's and it comes down the other side yeah, you know and you delicious. know I even <laughs> it, yeah no and it's but you know it's it's only a few seconds yeah. and we recommend doing it in the shower because the lean, the steam has liquefied the secretions yeah. so that's really good and then you know you may be started on an antihistamine uh, doing the antidustmite measures makes a big difference anything that can make a difference to your quality of life because that's what it's all about that yeah. is what it's all about your quality of life I'm going to take a break for a second to tell you about a new podcast that has come to the network that I really enjoy and I'm sharing it with you because I think you'll also enjoy it it's called Fad Camp F-A-D and it is about fad diets something I'm really interested in the toxic nature of them how they have sort of crept into the zeitgeist and crept into all of our minds and sort of changed our opinion of what's healthy and what's not healthy in a way that before fad diets we seem to be very clear and things seem to be much more simple so if you like that kind of thing check it out give it a listen and if you like it subscribe to it thank you so much Fad Camp is a comedy podcast about the ridiculousness of fad diets and diet culture, hosted by me, Grace Mulvey. And me, Connor Dowling. If you have a body of any kind, chances are you've crossed paths with at least one of the bizarre diet trends we cover in our show. And between me and Connor, we have done nearly every fad diet there is. Juice cleansing, fasting, the potato diet. Which is actually a real diet, by the way, and we don't recommend it. So join us as we try to make sense of the madness that is diet culture. Find Fad Camp everywhere you get your podcast. 
Podcasts and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. Just a quick interlude in the podcast while I have your attention. I want to tell you about uh, Headstuff Plus. I know some of you already know about it because some of you legends already subscribe to it. But if you're enjoying this podcast and you might want more of the same, you can become a Headstuff Podcast member. It costs five euro a month. You can give more if you want to, but that's all it costs. And for that, you get bonus material. So you get extra podcasts each month, not just from my podcast, but you get extra podcasts from all of the shows that are on our network and there are loads of shows on our network and you also we're going to be doing some live shows you'll get access to tickets Um, I also do these Zoom things where I'll send out a link to the bonus material members the people who subscribe to the podcast and then we can do a Zoom together where we chat and it's just a really nice community and on a fundamental level it supports my podcast financially so that me the producer the people involved in keeping this going can actually keep it going and keep giving you the content that you really, really like. If you can't afford it, there are other ways to support the podcast. If five euro a month is too much, you can just share it on your stories. Tell a friend about it. That's actually the best way. If you tell one person about a podcast episode that you think they will like, then they're very likely to listen to it. That increases our numbers and that really helps us. Um, Also, commenting on iTunes, like leaving a review and giving it five stars or four, whatever you think is fair, that really, really helps. So sorry to interrupt the episode, but I would really appreciate your support, financial or otherwise, if you're enjoying the podcast. Thanks. And I remember when I was a kid, when I was diagnosed with asthma, they told me that it was exercise induced. And then it became very clear that it wasn't exercise induced. And we got rid of all of our house had carpets. But then my my room, we changed to a wooden floor, mm. got rid of the teddies, got rid of all the soft furnishings. And it did improve. But mm. even now, since I've since I went to the allergy clinic, I've gotten rid of books mm. from next to the bed. Mm because they and were of course, sto- you'd have loads yeah they were storing a lot <laughs> yeah. um cuz we we still have wooden floors but there's little things you can do and it just helps yeah no it um, helps hugely yeah well, so i suppose it. for for the audience or for all of us that are talking here anywhere you think the dust can land the dust might lives so just remove it from around your around your your bed and it's only the bedroom we really talk about you know but i suppose there's kind of no point in doing that if you're not allergic to it so it's oh, better no. to like get no no find absolutely. out first if you are yeah you have to find out if you and what are the other things that so there's the skin prick test yeah so what else so then we also have so we also work with a lot of the dermatologists and we do the patch testing for them so again that is now that's not self-referral because that is always dermatology led so you know if somebody had a persistent skin condition and they just don't know so you know when uh, we go to get our hair done and get the colour the hairdresser does a patch Patch testing well for all the world it's obviously a little bit more um, thorough than that but for all the world it's a patch testing and it challenges you over 96 hours so it's a three appointment um, clinic you come in have the patches so you've seen the dermatologist the dermatologist will say oh yeah no okay and th- that has been referred to by the GP yeah. so you've gone to the dermatologist and they say okay so do you think it might be something that your shampoo your um, hair dye your 
uh, creams that you're using, if you're using a steroid, you know, was it the um, like me with acrylic nails, anything like that. And so they make a very um, informed decision, send you then to the allergy clinic for because we do. Uh, I think we have about um, 20 series of um, allergens that we test for. They're called haptons and uh, then they're applied onto this onto your back. And what kind of things are they like? So um, like all the components of any chemicals that are used. Right, so, okay. for instance, in methyl acrylates, which is the nails, all of these. So hair dyes, so shampoos. Um, um, so some people would have, um, you know, when you have um, occupational, so they might be touching certain product lines. Yes. You know, latex, anything like that. Um, they, they, we test for that. But one of our big things that has actually this is kind of revolutionary now, and this kind of covers a very broad spectrum of of your audience. So we have a pioneering service now called BMAS, which is metal allergy screening for pre orthopedic and pre dental care. So, you know, if somebody was going for a shoulder repair or shoulder replacement or a knee replacement or a hip replacement and you go in and the doctor says to you, do you have any allergies? Well, you never think of it. You never think, oh, God, alrighty, when I wear nickel, when I wear that jewellery, I, I it, it, all, it hurts my skin or I get a black green ring. mark. That could very well be that you're allergic to metal. And the, the orthopaedic surgeon is putting in a metal uh, hip, uh, titanium or cobalt and chromium. And that decision that he makes can determine if you'll be able to accept the prosthesis. So it's been very interesting because there's um, it, it, it's really very interesting field because there's obviously not, not so much controversy, but, you know, when people don't do well after having their hip replaced and what they describe is a terrible pain. God, my skin is so excoriated or so red since I got that done. I've never felt the same since I had my hip replaced, oh, wow, since yeah. I had my knee replaced. So about 10 to 13 percent of people are allergic to metal. And the test was never available before. Now it is available. So you can come in and have that test. Is that self-referral too? It's, that is self-referral, right. yeah. And that is, so you then just go to your surgeon with it and say, I wanted to have this test done. I want to know. Now, your surgeon can refer you equally, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it isn't, you know, everything takes it takes a while to um, like a um, mosque, a ga- stone gathering uh, mosque. Everything takes a while. Yeah. But I know from myself the reassurance of knowing that like I, I've had it, I've had the test done. So I know that I can accept a titanium implant if I have to have any um, and if you couldn't, what's, work done. what's the other? Oh, well, well, in the orthopaedic, it is um, you can have cobalt or chromium. And um, so th- it's so it'd be very surgery. rare for someone to be allergic to all of them. Oh, yeah, it'd be very rare. Yeah, yeah. it would be very rare. Yeah. But it's brilliant for you. The reassurance, yeah. you know, of oh, I can I can have this. Done. I always wonder when doctors say, have you any allergies? I always assume they just mean penicillin. Well, you see, everybody assumes so I'm hardly going to be like, <laughs> well, I'm slightly I'm allergic to cats. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, now that's ex- that's a really interesting point. So now the surgeons are now asking, do you suffer with sinusitis? Do you would you describe that you have hay fever? Do you have or did you ever have eczema? Because they're all allergic. Right. Yeah. So uh, and are you allergic to penicillin? But are they why are they like, are they not just asking because they don't want to give you a drug that's going to kill you? No. 
So why are they asking? Well, well they're now asking because we have it, it has evolved that people are rejecting things or aren't doing as well. Right, OK, OK. You know, even even from a, a cardiac point of view, if they have to put a clip or, you know, from a dental point of view, if they have to use braces mm-hmm. and God, are you going to reject them? Are you are, like we had a lady in re- referred by a dentist, actually, who rejected her braces. She had um, a magnesium allergy and there was magnesium mm-hmm. and um nickel in her and steel in her braces. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it it is mad. So it's just knowing it is very powerful. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody is going to be allergic, but the very fact that you can have the test. And talk to me about penicillin, because I know loads of people who claim to be allergic to penicillin because they've been told they are, but they've never actually had a reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you now where that comes from. 90% of people who are told they they were allergic to penicillin are not allergic to penicillin. And they were usually told it as a child or their mother was told it. So they brought the baby uh, to have, the baby had a chest infection and the baby was given amoxicillin. And the next day the baby came out in a rash and the doctor, mum brought the baby back to the doctor and the doctor said, oh my God, I gave her penicillin. She must be allergic or he must be allergic to penicillin. And naturally, because the test wasn't available, the doctor was being extremely thorough and caring. So saying, we're not going to give your baby penicillin. But the problem is that that automatically puts you on the back foot. So if you can't take penicillin, it automatically puts you that you have to go to the next level of antibiotics, okay? Mm-hmm. Because penicillin is the most efficacious antibiotic. It's the antibiotic that has least react cross reactivity with other medications. It's the least expensive, and it's the least susceptibility to a thing called Clostridium difficile, which is um, a gut. Uh, infection. So 90% of people who are told they're allergic to penicillin are not. But how are they going to take a chance? Yeah, because if you are terrified. Yeah, like if you are allergic to penicillin, what's the reaction? It's not just a rash. Is it like it can kill you? Oh, yes, of course. Yes, it could kill you. Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is and we're having a lot of referrals. Now, again, you can self-refer for this, but we have a lot of medical referrals from consultants preoperatively. We do a lot of the allergy testing for penicillin within Blackrock Clinic Hospital at the moment. And we um, and a lot of the respiratory physicians because they usually want to start. Were you started on amoxicillin? I have. I'm not allergic to amoxicillin, but apparently I'm desensitised to it. You're I've desensitised. Taken, I've been on so much, so many antibiotics. Anti- antibiotics. So, so they just go straight to augmenting. You, s- brilliant. So you that got knocks me out like. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. So you keep drinking loads <laughs> of water. But when a patient comes in now for a penicillin test, it's again the same, the skin prick test. Yeah. We put the um, allergen, this penicillin allergen, yeah. we introduce that under the skin. We let that incubate for 10 minutes. We inform the patient that if we do the skin prick test for the penicillin, that we will then challenge you so we will give you penicillin if you're negative so you and you you stay with us for an hour so if the patient is ready to stay for and happy to stay for the hour we'll do it but from a safety point of view we keep the patient so that god forbid if there was a reaction of course we have the um auto injectors and we also have um a accident and emergency downstairs that's in blackrock clinic but we have doctors on site for in all our clinics have you ever had someone have a reaction? Well, I did actually. Uh, well, well, I'll tell you what we had recently now. This is very interesting. We had two people who were positive 
so they thought they were positive and they genuinely were positive. As in they were allergic they to They were allergic, so they were not challenged. And then we had a lovely lady travel up, a mother of four, travel up from Carlo and her GP was fantastic. He wanted her allergy tested and he was such a confident GP. He was actually going to test her for the penicillin, for give her penicillin himself in his surgery. But she said, now he wasn't going to do the test, but he was actually going to give her penicillin. So she said, look, you know, she said, there, there is the test. Actually, do you know what he said? I'll send you to the allergy clinic for the penicillin test. He said, I'm fairly convinced that you're not. And she was fairly convinced herself. Now, how, how we could be convinced, we don't know. But, you know, everybody knows the statistics. You see. Mm-hmm. So she came up, had the allergy test. She was negative. We challenged her with the 250 milligrams of amoxicillin. Is that, what kind of a dose is that? Uh, yeah, that's the first dose right, you get. Right, yeah. normal, so yeah. 250 you start off with, 500 is what you'd normally be given if you have chest infection. Yeah. Okay, so we challenged her with the 250 milligrams, kept her about 45, so I, we, we check in every 15 minutes. You just sit outside the clinic, there's always two of us in the clinic. We che- she was doing fine, she was doing fine, she was doing fine. 45 minutes on, so remember I said I'll keep you an hour. 45 minutes into it, I just went out to her and said, John, how are you? Yes, she said, I'm fine now. She said, um, I'm, you know, I'm hoping to be leaving soon. And I said, do you feel fine? Well, she said, I'm just a little flushed. And I said, OK, maybe you'd come back into the clinic to me. So she comes back in and she had a rash. She was allergic to the penicillin. It was a late, it was a delayed reaction. Yeah. But it was, so up to two hours is what uh, you'd be, you know, you'd be looking, but after an hour, if you've been with us and you've had absolutely nothing, you're you're fine. Okay. But she, so I I made her stay. So we actually kept her. She had to ring her husband. I said, could he come up and collect her? So anyway, that all happened. So we we stayed with her. I stayed with her. We kept her for another hour. But that was very, it was the only one that we've had that reaction with. But why she was allergic. But why didn't it come up in the... Because there's, yeah, because there's a there's a breakaway and it's 8% of people. There's a breakaway in the molecule. Right, so okay. she was allergic specifically to the amoxicillin, which was the breakaway in the molecule of the, the penicillin strain. Right, OK. But would you give her any other type of penicillin? Absolutely not. No. Do you so know? So it was, she was specifically allergic to the amoxicillin but that is penicillin. So, no, she would never be taking penicillin. Okay. But it was fantastic. And then she got a certificate to say, yes, I am allergic, allergic to penicillin. penicillin. And that goes on her chart in her GP surgery and if she was going to have any any hospital admission. So the advantage of knowing it is forever is that once you have that um, red alert thing on your chart in any GP surgery or any hospital. They cannot give you penicillin. OK, and it automatically, as I said, you, not that it puts you on the back foot, but it just starts you off on the stronger antibiotic, which you may have needed down the line. Yeah. Because, you know, you were talking about desensitising and that you that you're like you're desensitised to all the antibiotics. Yeah. So that that's what happens. So I think it's really important um, if you can to have it. And it's widely available now to, from from our clinics. And we have six clinics like so, you know, you know, we're in Cork because your mother came to see us in Cork and she yeah. said she didn't know how she was here all. But she was delighted She's because delighted. she got confirmation, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, she was with Larry down there. So that's in Mallow. And we're also in Waterford in the Waterford um, he- Medical Centre. And we're in Galway uh, Clinic. And we're in three locations now in, 
uh, Dublin. We're in Berkeley Road, which is near the Matter, uh, Clare Hall in the Meridian Medical Centre there and in Blackrock Clinic. Because I do think that sometimes people feel like these are all Dublin centred things, yeah. like, oh, we yeah. can't. But like Mallow, Mam only had to drive, I think, about six minutes from yeah, the house. Yeah, to get yeah. To it. And of course, that appeals to Limerick patients yes. and uh, Kerry. Particularly with kids, like oh if you yeah. want to get your kids tested. Yeah, and what age can you get? Well, we test from six months up, right. but you have to have a letter from your GP as to why. Because the biggest thing about having a, a child tested for, you see, you don't want to have allergies. Yeah. And we don't want children to have allergies. So we um, purely test on clinical uh, history and signs and symptoms. So we take a clinical history of what what was that? Why did you go to the doctor? Why did you bring the child to the doctor? What makes you think doctor? they have an issue? Yeah. Oh, um, when, when I give him milk to drink, um, he comes out in a rash. So it's quite likely that she, they'll have tri- the doctor will have probably tried, if they think it's real, will have tried the baby on a thing called neutramogen, which is um, for, um, has no f- uh, cow's milk um milk protein in it so and then they want a definitive answer so I'll I'll test for maybe the aeroallergens if the child is snuffly and I'll test for milk and eggs and that might be all I test for because it's all on clinical signs and symptoms or the mum might say I gave him a bit of peanut butter and I'd, I, he, I, I saw he got a reaction mm-hmm. around his mouth. So she'll have been to the GP and the GP will said, uh, you know, it's quite likely it's a peanut allergy, but we have to have a definitive diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So we test for the peanut. And then we send the baby, the mum and the baby to the paediatrician who specialises in food allergies. And we have a wonderful facility with um, a Dr. Tariq in Port Leisha. And he's absent. Of course, he's the middle of the country and he's fantastic and he's av- available. Um, you know, he, he, he is able to um, accommodate our patients, which is fabulous. And he will manage the child through a peanut allergy because it's vital. We also, if the child, like we had yesterday, a child confirmed peanut allergy. So we have a prescription that we will give the mother for the, the child for a, um, an auto injector. It's like an EpiPen. Uh, yeah, well, the Ejext pen is the one we, we use. But we will demonstrate then how to use it when to use it. And the biggest thing for anybody out there that will be listening to this, adrenaline injector is only adrenaline. We produce adrenaline ourselves. It's our ability to fight or fly. If you end up giving an adrenaline injector because it was prescribed for you, don't have any fear. It's only adrenaline. It cannot do any harm. But you must ring the ambulance. If you've given an auto injector, you must ring the ambulance to say you've given it and you stay with the person that you've given the auto injector to and you never give your child's adrenaline pen to anybody. Why is that? Because your child may need it one second later. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's so not because it's, it's not it's a different. You, no. And it's not that you're holding back or you don't want to be. But it's just really important that you have because it was prescribed for a reason. Yes. Okay. So supposing your child, you know, and actually this is a very important one. And Dr. Beecham, who we who governs our clinic and Professor Basil El-Nazir, we have a fantastic um, educational policy in our clinic. So we're constantly educating in the clinic, educating all the staff. So, you know, when people ring the clinic, they they get Anne or Mary and my God, they're fantastic. Then the girls, patients come in to me and they say, are you Anne or are you Mary? And I say, no, actually, I'm Sandra, the nurse. And it's so funny. But the girls have brought the patients through, through, you know, the process, which is fantastic. And then we 
so we do this. We're always informing. Like, and so Joyce is 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 the other um, director in the business, and she, we're always looking at how can we make ours the best. So it's always about education and always about finding out the best things. So one of the things that um, Dr. Beecham was was speaking about recently was that you know if somebody has a peanut allergy mm-hmm. and they're sitting on a plane and they're carrying an auto injector and somebody besides them, beside them opens peanuts in the air. It's only if you ingest it that the real that the, the, the reaction will happen. So so that just to reassure somebody now you'd preferably not be sitting beside the person. Mm-hmm. So if you saw somebody, you say, oh, actually, do you mind? I'll move. OK, but so what might happen is that you might get a tingle on your lips or your nose might start to, mm-hmm. you know, get all itchy. Take an antihistamine. You'll have that with you. OK, if you notice any swelling or if obviously if you were starting to cough, give yourself the auto injector and obviously tell the arrows just because the plane will have to turn around. But it's only if it's ingested. But how come how come it's only if it's ingested with peanuts? But when I walk around tree pollen, my allergic reaction happens. Is it just yeah, different because it's, it's different? Yeah. Well, it's 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 a, it's a completely different uh, strain. Strain. Okay, yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah, it's a completely different biological strain. And are some yeah. people so allergic to peanuts that airborne it would affect them? Um, you know, I couldn't answer that, that now. Yeah. Category. I couldn't answer that definitively for yeah. you. Um, but I, all I do know is that there's progress being made in peanut allergy and there will be um, immunotherapy. And there's a lot of the um, medical profession doing a lot of work on that. So, you know, people who have a peanut allergy should always keep keep reading up on it and keep abreast and then, you know, if you I know you only test for with babies for mm. the things that they're presenting with. Mm. But I'm just wondering, is it possible to be allergic to something that you've never had? So, like, could you test a baby for a strawberry allergy if they've never eaten a strawberry? Or is it just by virtue of the fact that you've eaten it that your body develops the your allergy? Your body develops it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't, you don't test. So remember that your first line of thumb. So for, for anybody, any child, any mother out there and father out there, have a bottle of Zyrtec. That's the antihistamine in your in your press. If you give the child strawberries and the child, um, you, you see this this little lip swelling or you just see a difference in the child or they start to cough or something like that, just give them a little, uh, now obviously under the pharmacy guidelines. So you can only give, I think it's from uh, one and a half or two, um, an antihistamine. Um, but but a, a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and like don't, I won't say don't panic. It's very easy to say don't panic, but actually being calm is the best thing, of course. Yeah. And, you know, there are lots of doctors on call and, and and that's that's the big thing is that just follow your instinct, you know, follow yeah. your instinct and uh, as a parent, particularly. And then my final question is, can you grow out of or into an allergy? Like if I came back to you in four years time and did that again, could I have developed new allergies to things that I wasn't previously allergic to? You could and you equally could have lost allergies. And the reason for that is physiology. Our exposure to things changes, our body reacts differently. You know the way, and I actually always describe this, you know if you get a very deep cut and the the deep cut gets infected Mm -hmm. and it eventually heals. It heals because we're multiplying and dividing our cells all the time. So that's how we recover from something. That's how we get sick from something. So when you 
when you have an allergy, you, you've come in touch with something that your immune system just doesn't like or it says, OK, no, I'll tolerate that. So, for instance, for me, I have no allergies, even though I had my urticaria and angioedema. And I equally didn't have a bad response to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. But my daughter and my son had a very se- se- serious response to the vaccine. My husband and I didn't. Yeah. So they were sick. So it is that their immune system reacted differently. Now, I must have come in touch with something. In my, it wasn't the variant, mm-hmm. but I must have come in touch with something that resembled that uh, vaccine before. So my immune system was able to deal with it. Mm-hmm. D- do you know what I mean? So that's that's our makeup. That's why things change. That's why you see the role of immunotherapy, which is a, basically a desensitizing against uh, your your allergy driven allergen. So, for instance, we, we run immunotherapy clinics now for people who have allergic asthma, allergic um, rhinitis and sinusitis and the peanut will come on it will be immunotherapy and what that does is it literally desensitizes your immune system against your trigger so the result by exposing you yeah, to by exposing it. you so just in the, in the case of the grass pollen it's called grasax so you have a grass pollen allergy and you've been to, you've been to the to the consultant and he said you know I think you might be a candidate for this it comes like a little white tablet the size of half a nail and it's made up of grass pollen okay and it's a lyophilized cake they call it so it literally melts under your tongue in about a quarter of a second and it stimulates your your histamine the mast cells to receive in the desensitizer and then your immune system said oh yeah normally i don't like you god i'm getting used to you now, it's a three year commitment, but it's on this thing called the drug payment scheme. But to me, it's an absolute no brainer because, you know, the way in the leaving certain and uh, junior certs, that's the very time everyone's hay fever is driving them the crazy yeah. and they can't and the eyes are streaming and everyone is cracking up doing their exams. The, the uh, papers show that 84% of uh, students who have been desensitised and we start the desensitising now for grass pollen. We actually started in August, September and we literally give and then you give it to yourself. You come to, come to us for the first dose. Mm-hmm. You give it to yourself every day for six months and then you come back just for a monitoring. After six months, you get the next prescription and it is a three year commitment, but it's an absolute no brainer. But it's kind of interesting. So, you know, when we were talking about the asthma and this is what I leave you with, because I'm sure we're near the end. If you can have your pipes clean, that's the that's the big message. If you have asthma and your doctor has prescribed inhalers for you, they're prescribed for a reason. Mm -hmm. They're not prescribed ad hoc. So listen to your GP, listen to your consultant and comply. The more that you comply, the healthier your airways get. If you feel you have allergy, come and have an allergy test. Don't be taking antihistamines because you think you have an allergy. You mightn't have an allergy at all and you're wasting time and money and, you know, um, subjecting yourself to antihistamines. Get the definitive answer. Look after yourself. 
keep breathing keep filling those airways and thanks a million for having me today thanks so much Sandra <laughs> so where can people find you if they want to find you online or yeah find so online we're on theallergyclinic.ie yep. we have a Facebook page The Allergy Clinic we're on Instagram The Allergy Clinic and we're also on Instagram as BMAS well actually that's through The Allergy Clinic as well and our phone number now of course you're going to I'll put the phone number in the show notes oh, and I will also so at the bottom of this podcast I will also put in your handle for for Instagram and your Facebook and website Fantastic. so people can find you there thank you so much thank for coming in thank you so in. much thank you Stephanie thank you that is this week's episode of Basically I really hope you enjoyed it if you did let me know you can contact me on Instagram at Stephanie Preisner on Twitter at Steph Preisner or you can email the podcast at basically at headstuff.org with any feedback or any ideas that you have we love to hear from you um, our music is by only ruin our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara we're produced by Headstuff Podcasts at the podcast studios and yeah that's it see you next week This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.